Raised on D&D podcast helps to enrich your family's gaming experience by bringing you interviews with parents, educators, game designers, and influencers. Join us as we delve into the many ways that tabletop role-playing games inspire creativity, develop communication skills, and create lasting bonds among players. Your host has been an avid gamer since childhood, and now his kids are being raised on D&D. Here is your host, Nick Cardarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is from Muncie, Indiana. He is most known in the gaming community for his music, with songs including Best Game Ever, The Opposite of Cool, and She Don't Like Firefly. He does monthly online shows. He's gearing up to start actual play RPG podcasting. He has authored Confessions of a Geek Bard coming January 2023. Please welcome mikey mason hi mike hi nick thanks man man thanks for being on the show i'm so excited i'm so excited to hear about the new stuff that's coming out the book oh my goodness but right now i've got to let you take us back to your very first experience with tabletop role-playing games and dungeons and dragons where did your love for tabletop really begin uh, in 1983, it was summer of 1983. My mom and my brother and I had just moved to Greenwood, Indiana, and we lived in a trailer home in a trailer park in a place called Wheel Estates that now has a different name. Uh, but it was super classy, Wheel Estates. And, uh, my brother used some money from, uh, jobs mowing lawns to go to Toys R Us and buy Redbox. Dungeons and Dragons, the Mincer set, uh, basic, and then the expert set as well. He came home with both of them, and uh, we wanted to play. He wanted to play immediately. He hadn't even read all the rules yet, of course, because that's the way you do as kids. He was 12. I was 10. And, uh, wow, that dates me. Like, <laughs> math. Um, I was 10 in 1983. And, uh, <laughs> Well, kids, I'm old. Um, but, but yeah, and I'm a latecomer to Dungeons Dragons. Um, and we, uh, we rolled up my character. We, we decided that we were going to need to play with more than one character for me because there were just the two of us. And so, uh, I rolled up two characters. I rolled up an elf, which I named Tran, uh, because I had just seen Tron, uh, at a library showing and I wasn't incredibly original at that point in my life. And then I rolled a, a wizard, or sorry, a magic user named, um, Thorin. And the reason he was named Thorin is because I wanted to name him after the wizard in The Hobbit. Only I had read The Hobbit two years prior and could not remember the name of the wizard. So, Five minutes later, I was like, no, Gandalf, his name is Gandalf. And my brother's like, nope, you already wrote it down. You're not changing it, which meant he was perfect to DM. He was like, no, it's there. You can't change anything. I'm here to torment you. So we uh, we we recruited this kid named Terry who lived in in the trailer park to play with us. He rolled a couple of characters, a fighter and a dwarf, if I recall, if I recall correctly. We went to my sister's trailer. And in the spare room, we played our first D&D session. My brother had created a map of a forest with a trail, and we walked on the forest trail. And it went something like this. The trail leads north. Well, we walk north. Well, you can walk in like 10 or 20 or 30 feet increments. So we walk 30 feet. All right, the trail keeps going north. We go another 30 feet. You can't go 30 feet. It only goes 20 feet north, and then it turns. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll follow the trail. We'll follow the trail. All right. And now you're attacked by bandits. How do we know they're bandits? Because they're attacking you and they're going to steal your stuff. And then, <laughs> I mean, the very first session, one of our characters died. And then we got to the edge of the map. And Neil said, my brother Neil said, all right, that's it. We're like, what do you mean that's it? And he said, that's, that's all the map I've got. I, I don't have anything else. I mean, we got to the edge of the graph paper. It's done. We're done. I don't have anything else. We, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're like, it was too late. We were infected. <laughs> you know? Even that was so much better than Monopoly had ever been. We had this, and uh, now we have a word for it. We know that it's called agency, uh, you know, player agency. But we had an agency that we didn't have and a, a, a scope of action that we just did not have in any other games. And we were we were hooked. We spent that entire summer playing Dungeons and Dragons on our front porch at the trailer. It was amazing. It was I mean, the best games of my life. I, I, I love the story because I also enjoy your song, Summer of 83, and the fact <laughs> word of it. <laughs> the fact that 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 the inspiration for the song is uh, your origin story in tabletop role playing games is amazing to me. <laughs> so that is awesome. Now, you're a father as well. How many children do you have? I have two kids, uh, a 25 year old named Ben and a 17 year old named Laugh. And uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and two grandkids. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Yeah, Addison and Alaric. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, busy. and you also game with your family as well. Is that true? I do. I do. So I went through a long period um, after college. We all go through drive spells where we can't get a gaming group or whatever. And I played uh, with friends and family in small groups, small campaigns, pickups here and there. And then I went through this period where I just... There was nobody to game with, nobody around to game with. And I was a stand-up comic at the time. Uh, I spent um, maybe 15 years, yeah, about 15 years as a professional full-time stand-up comic wow. touring the country. I played all four coasts. I include the Gulf of Mexico and the Great Lakes. Those are coasts, too. <laughs> they deserve our respect. Um, I headlined at the House of Blues in Dallas and at Myrtle Beach. I headlined the Atlantis Resort and Casino in the Bahamas. Um, you know, the Ice House in Pasadena, California. I, it was a great job. It was a great job, but I got tired of babysitting drunks. That aside, <laughs> um, I didn't have a whole lot of access to games or gaming mm -hmm. and it hurt. Um, so I started listening to this podcast called Fear the Boot. Um, Dan Repperger, you know, started a podcast called Fear the Boot and I listened to it and it got my, my love of gaming into full gear and it kind of sated it a little bit. Um, I tried listening to actual plays. Most of them I can't deal with. Um, which is, you know, weird since you mentioned I'm starting on actual plays. It's one of those things where you're sitting, you're listening to people around a table and you're like, I need to be at this table. I can't sit here and listen and not be at the table. Yes. They're making bad decisions and somebody <laughs> has to tell them they're making bad decisions. And anyway, or somebody needs to be there making the bad decisions with them and that person is me. So, 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it scratched the itch, and then eventually my uh, my oldest kid turned ten years old, and so I bought the PDFs for Red Box and Blue Box again, and got him and his friends uh, Charles and Larkin, and took them through Keep on the Borderlands. <laughs> yes, Keep on the Borderlands, which is uh, hands down my favorite uh, old Dungeons and Dragons module because it introduced me to the sandbox concept of gaming. You know, again, we come back to player agency. Here are all these plot hooks. Where do you want to go? What yep. do you want to do? Um, and and it even, you know, it's if you just want to stay in the keep and pickpocket people and, and steal or whatever, if that's if that's what you really want to do, well, here here's all the stuff they have in their houses. And here are the stats for the guards who are going to come for you. And <laughs> so it's uh, so I did that. And then eventually I started gaming with uh, my youngest too. brought brought uh, laugh into it. Um, and Laugh was eight years old. We were playing a game system called Castles and Crusades mm -hmm. by Troll Lords, um, yes. which is kind of a D&D &D clone, a little, little more than a D&D &D clone. But And uh, at eight years old, Laugh had a dwarven monk named Aji who experienced, went to negative 46 hit points on a critical roll from an earth elemental and Ozzy the monk was no more, and uh, laugh held up for a good few minutes before the waterworks started, and uh, Mama had to come in with cake. <laughs> laugh had some cake. I talked about the uh, the treasure with the other boys at the table, and I'm like, all right. Um, so how do we feel about a scroll of true resurrection instead of what I was gonna give you? And they're like, yep, okay, that's good. We're we're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how you fix that. And yeah, and cake. I mean, <laughs> the cake was a vital component. <laughs> that yeah. is phenomenal. And you know, mine started really young, and I've told the story before. But basically, um, I get left home alone with my three little ones, and they're all seventeen months apart, little stair steps, and they were like four, three, two and a half. And I had just watched all the wiggles that I could take. And, <laughs> and uh, what do you have against Captain Feathersword? What? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I love my fruit salad as much as anybody else. But, uh, but after the eighth hour, I was like, we've got to do something else. And uh, so I pulled out the miniatures, the maps, the character sheets. Only one could read at the time, but I put it in front of them. I had to get the enlarged dice for the youngest one so it wouldn't choke. And we did, uh, I was amazed they, their attention was held for almost 40, 45 minutes and they loved every minute of it. But right when they got to about, about 10, eight, uh, nine, right around that age, that's when they created their own characters on a Gary Gygax day. And then we started a two-year campaign and uh it was just uh, amazing so we're we're going to be doing it's it's october we're going to be doing a horror game this year and, and we started a horror game tradition a few years back and the last couple of years we've played call of cthulhu uh, which they really enjoyed and then this year we're going to play vampire the masquerade for the very first time i couldn't convince any of them to be vampires they all want to be vampire hunters and so <laughs> i look forward to that uh tpk <laughs> yeah this game is not made for that's a different uh, no. that's a different uh game from was a white is it white wolf still does that? yes yeah uh -huh. so 
Yeah, that's a, isn't that Hunter the Apocalypse? Is that what the Vampire Hunter game is? Uh, I think it's called Hunter Hunters Hunted is what Hunter's it's called. Hunter. So Wolf the Apocalypse, it's yep. Hunters Hunted, Fairy the Change, there Changeling the whatever, <laughs> Fairyning. Uh, I. <laughs> I wanted to get into White Wolf games so bad, uh, but uh, it turns out that every person, and no offense if you're listening, anybody who's been a storyteller for me in these games, my storytellers were all so bad. <laughs> and it always devolved into a and d session. And I'm like, if I want to play d and I'm going to play D&D. You get into this because you want to do the role play and the nuance and the political blah, 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 or whatever. That's right. That's right. I want to do cool vampire stuff. I want to charm people. I want to... <laughs> so that's a that's our october so i think it's amazing though and and you said it yourself with introducing them you took them right back to keep on the borderlands and keep on the borderlands one of my favorites as well i've actually introduced folks who have never role played before and folks who have never played um the original dungeons and dragons um i've taken them back to the keep of borderlands just because like you mentioned it's such a great sandbox it gives players that ability to go in any direction and what i love about it is you can play that module with different compositions of players and it always goes in a different direction and exactly. that that yeah. is so much fun about that you have created some of my favorite gamer tunes is what i call them and my absolute favorite is best game ever. I think everyone listening who has been gaming for any amount of time especially from back in junior high high school like we were you know, there was always somebody had that little brother or maybe you were that little brother um, that just kept messing the game and min maxing and just going, taking the campaign off rails. Can you tell us what the inspiration for writing that particular piece was? Um, I'm at a loss for her name. I mention it in my book. Um, a young lady put out uh, a gaming song called Tonight, and I really I regret that I can't remember her name, uh, but I'm not going to take time to Google it. Uh, she put out a very sweet and sentimental and beautiful song about gaming called Tonight, and it was wistful, and Neil Gaiman retweeted it, which is how I became aware of the song, and I listened to it, and she'd released it on YouTube. Um, she's got an absolutely, she's, uh, it was wonderfully written, she's a beautiful voice, she was, you know, it was a, it's a perfect song. It, encapsula it encapsulates the whole um, dreamy, beautiful, wonderful escapism of of gaming and the expectancy that you're gonna ha that you have when you're really looking forward to a game um and and the joy you feel and it was very sweet and then i wrote a response song to it and that response song was best game ever and i wrote the song and recorded the video that you see on youtube within an hour and a half that was an hour and a half, and I, yeah, and uh, I still have the original lyric sheets in a uh, in a tote um, that aren't quite the same. I was changing lyrics while I was singing it for the first time. Um, I was like, no, that doesn't work in my head. I'm like, that doesn't work. I, that doesn't scan the way I want it to scan. That doesn't say anyway. So. I did a uh, I did that response. That was the the inspiration for it. And people ask me all the time, uh, was George a real person? And again, I I address this in the book. Um, I tell some really good stories about George in the book. There was somebody in our gaming group named George, um, not 
Well, sometimes George was the George of the group. I, I honestly, when I picked the name George, it just scanned. And, you know, I was like, okay. And, and it worked. It, it was, it, maybe it was a subconscious thing. I don't know. Um, but the truth is that I was the George more often than not in my gaming group. And sometimes I still am. And we're all the, I say it during shows. If, if you're in a gaming group and you don't know who the George is, it's probably you. Um, and, <laughs> So, you know, uh, and that's that's just the way of, but we've all been the George at some point when we when we took focus. That's what George is about. Taking focus when you should be giving focus or demanding attention all the time. That's the real um, if there is a sin in in a role playing game, it's um, demanding more attention than any other player because everybody at the table deserves to have a good time. That includes the game master. Um, and if everybody at the table is not having a good time, that's when you're doing it wrong. That's the only time you're doing it wrong is when everybody's not having a good time. Um, I don't believe in bad, wrong fun. You know what I mean? As, as long as we're all in, as long as everybody's enjoying it, good enough, right? Uh, but it does require that you shift focus from player to player in order to maintain it. And if you have one player who demands too much focus or wants to be the very special uh, power princess of the party or power prince of the party or the secret uh, child of Atlantean royalty that is going to reclaim their kingdom and everybody else hasn't completely bought into that, again, that's not a bad story. It's just if nobody else wanted to play that game, all of a sudden you're really taking more attention than giving. So that's what George is. George is an attention hound, and uh, that's not the word I was going to use, but we're a family-friendly podcast. Yes, so I, thank you. <laughs> I, again, edited on the fly. Uh, but I've been, I've been guilty of being the attention hound, and I've made bad decisions in games um, because I wanted attention or because I felt that it should be a certain way and didn't consider the other players at the time. And, you know, I was wrong to do that. That was bad, wrong fun. <laughs> when I was hurting the game for someone else to make it whatever it is that I wanted, that was when I was doing it wrong. So one of the very... things that one of the things that I've noticed with gaming with young people um, is uh, sometimes players perceive a power struggle with the game master or dungeon master. Mm -hmm. And my youngest, we had, uh, I'll, I'll never forget it because we had, my friend asked me, he said, Hey, I've got this friend of mine. She's got some teenagers. She wants to get into Dungeons and Dragons and she wants to, you know, do this with, with her family. Would you mind us coming over and you running a game? And I said, absolutely. I got uh, the perfect little dungeon crawl. We'll do it. It'll be great. <clears throat> so they come over. And I've got my three. She's got her three. It's my buddy from work, uh, his friend, and then my wife. And we're all at the table together gaming. And we get to that moment, that moment in the game where we know the big baddie is right around the corner. And everyone says, all right, time out. We need to make a plan. Everyone comes up with this great plan and it's a stealthy plan. Okay. You guys are going through this door. We're going over the wall. Everything's nice and quiet. My youngest is playing a goblin bard <laughs> whose instrument is the drum. 
once everyone gets into this situation, they still don't see the monster yet. He climbs up on a crumbling wall and starts beating on that drum and playing a song about, Hey monsters, come get your dinner. And my buddy looks at me like, what is he doing? And I lean over to him and I said, um, you do realize that that's uh, against the stealthy plan everybody came up with. And he leans over to me and he, he couldn't have been more than 10. And he says, see, here's the problem. You got this whole story behind that screen that you plan on doing. And I'm here to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I put my hands up and I'm like, okay, here we go. So, uh, the big bad comes out to them and he cut about 45 minutes off the game. Um, but it was epic and it was unexpected and we all had a great time. Um, and there might've been some player versus player, uh, in, in, in the seconds between the monsters showing up, but, uh, it, it was really great. And one of the things that I walked away from that with was he felt that he was being railroaded by the group. He felt like he didn't have a voice. He felt like he didn't have a choice. Um, and because of that, he went ahead and he was like, I can do whatever I want on my turn and I'm gonna. So, so it's very, it's very important for dungeon masters to make sure that each of the players is getting enough, uh, like you said, uh, spotlight attention, a uh, buy-in, and then yeah. they're able to make those decisions and hopefully come to when the group comes to a consensus, you better make sure everybody at the table is in on that consensus because he felt that they had made a plan. I had had a plot idea in my mind and nobody stopped to ask the 10 year old, what are you doing? And he went, I'll, let me show you. <laughs> So wait, you've, your plan revolves around stealth, and you have a goblin bard who plays the drums? <laughs> uh, underutilized asset is what he was. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm granting inspiration to their stealth. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Mikey, I've got to ask you, we've been talking about uh, gaming with family and gaming with uh, friends and making gaming music, but you are talking about stepping into actual play, RPG, streaming, podcasting. Tell us where, where you are in that project. Um, I am more looking at uh, podcasting it, okay. recording it, editing it, because <clears throat> the live streaming, there's a lot, I mean, there are times where dead air and dead air is, is murder for a podcast. And you know it, I know it, everybody knows it. Uh, you can get away with it on a live stream, but it's not, not optimal. <clears throat> and also I, I like to uh, edit out all the extraneous. If you go on a tangent about how nice Orlando Bloom looks in Lord of the Rings, that has nothing to do with your game, unless it does. If that's what your game is about, Orlando Bloom and Lord of the Rings, well, he is dreamy. I'm not going to give you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you crap for that. But so uh, I've been looking to get into actual play podcasting because I've been a GM for I'm coming up on my 50th birthday. my So my 40th year of being a game master, because I've been since I was 10 years old, I've been running games. Um so 40 years, four decades of gameplay experience, that still doesn't mean I'm any good at it. 
<laughs> I've had four, 40 years of mistakes to learn from whether I did or not. Uh, and so the first foray, and I'm currently editing it right now, I did a four-hour session with my kids. So I talked about the gaming group. Uh, gaming with my kids, with my uh, oldest Ben, my youngest Laugh, the kid across the street, Charles, and uh, some of their other friends. But I got Ben, Laugh, and Charles together, and we spent about four hours. And Ben and Charles are 25, 26 now. And uh, I, I think Charles is a little older, but may maybe still 25. And, and Laugh is 17, and we gamed. And... Here's the thing. I didn't set up a huge campaign thing. I did what I used to do when they were kids, which was they made characters and I made stuff up as we went along. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. I had some ideas, some little ideas, but it was very super sandbox. So it's not as polished as I would like, but I was mostly doing that for the sound editing experience. So that I'm calling gaming with my kids and it's probably going to go on my Patreon just to so so I get the practice and my Patreon listeners get the the uh the experience. I've also got uh it's actually tomorrow my first recording session with a group of improvisational comedians in Indianapolis to do wow. a one shot to see if we like hanging out with each other. And again, it's just a proof of concept, um, but to see how well it works and, and how well we like it. And if we do like it, we're going to probably commit to doing one session a month where we record uh, four to six hours in the month. And then I'll edit it down to, you know, two or three one hour sessions that get put out because, you know, raw audio to to finished audio. But I'm also looking at uh, whether or not I want how how polished and how produced I want it to be. I don't want to cut out all the die rolls, um, but I also don't want somebody playing with dice in the background. You know, <laughs> nobody with ice in their cup, that kind of thing. Uh, if too much of a tangent, a little tangent's fine. Too much of a tangent, got to cut it out. That kind of thing. Am I going to put background sounds in, noises? Maybe some music. I happen to know a musician. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I going to call it? I don't know what I'm going to call it, but I've, I've considered doing and, and making it its own podcast and not putting it solely on my Patreon. I've considered making it a podcast and hosting it separately. But that's the future for that, because I'm going to run the games anyway. Let's be honest. Yep. I'm gonna, I've got all these games I want to run, and people are very interested in what I do as a game master. So here, this is what I do as a game master. Enjoy. That's that's what I'm looking at. And that is fantastic. So Gaming With My Kids podcast, actual play. It's going to be part of the Patreon, another reason to join your Patreon now. And then this untitled uh, actual play with grownups. Cannot wait to hear that too. So you. Mikey, definitely keep us in the loop because soon as those are published, we are going to put it out there and let our listeners know where to find it and how to listen to it. That is phenomenal. Mikey, I got to ask you, you have been making amazing albums about not just about tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and Dragons, but all kinds of fandoms. One of my favorite songs is She Don't Like Firefly. When was the moment that you decided I'm going to be a singer songwriter and I'm going to focus on the fandoms that I love? How did that come about? 
Um, music has always been in my life. Even when I was a stand-up comic, I was a guitar comic. So uh, my stand-up comedy act was kind of like... Um, most stand-up guitar comics will do either stand up and play some songs and then put the guitar down and do stand-up comedy or stand up and do comedy and then pick up a guitar and do some songs. And mine was I would come out with the guitar and I would start off with a song and then start into some stand-up and then go back into the song and they would lead, they would enter twine they would weave together and that was you know what i did that was different than most anybody else was uh my stand-up comedy bits would lead into songs which would lead into other bits and transitions and there was an, an arc to my act and uh i make it sound much higher <laughs> and more intellectual <laughs> than it was um <laughs> but um so in 2011 i had uh it was december 25th it was Christmas of 2009 or 2010 that I finally watched Firefly. Uh -huh. I finally started actually in earnest and, and enjoying it and realized that I was I was in. You know, I saw Curse Your Sudden but an inevitable betrayal and I was like, that's me. I'm the pilot who gets bored on a ship and plays with toys. That's exactly who I am. Wash drew me in. So I wrote this song that cause it did not fit the the it did not fit my oeuvre right it wasn't my my milieu it was it, you know like firefly and so in march of 2011 i wrote the song shot a video at my friend's ty's house and at my favorite bar the fickle peach and uh put it on youtube and it proceeded to go viral and um you know viral by then i don't i still don't think it's got half a million views but it's five hundred thousand views is not really that viral wow. today uh you get a you know cat falling off a couch and i'll have four billion views today but i, I can't, can't com compare to cat videos i can't <laughs> compete with a cat falling off no. the couch man i cannot There's there are things beyond mortal comprehension, and that's one of them. <laughs> but it got retweeted by Marina Bakarin and uh, Jewel State and Alan Tudyk's brother. Alan wasn't on uh, on Twitter at the time, and it just went viral. It got me in, uh, mentioned on thenerdist.com. It got me mentioned on Sci-Fi's uh, <laughs> website. It got me mentioned on in Time Magazine's tech.tv wow. going viral section. So I was mentioned in Time Magazine. Me, you know. <laughs> so it showed me that there was a, an art audience for this. And so I launched a Kickstarter to do an, a geek rock comedy album. And it was that point that I'm, I talked to my wife, talked to Jody, who was instrumental in, in me making the plan from working full-time uh, at a day job to being a full-time stand-up comic as well because she you know she was just absolutely supportive and we made a plan and we said you know she said well if you want to do this full-time we have to make a transition plan and we did and by 2017 i was only a part-time stand-up comic um you know picking up gigs here and there and most of my job was writing geek music and playing at conventions and it's awesome you know <laughs> and uh and in 2019 um december of 2019 i did my last stand-up comedy show and i retired officially from stand-up comedy uh which isn't completely true last year a friend of mine 
had a show who was short on a performer and asked me to come in last minute. I said, man, I retired, Vinny. I retired. <laughs> and he goes, I need you, brother. I need you. And it's like, all right, but I'm just doing geek stuff. And he goes, okay. And I got up and I did 25 minutes of geek stand-up material and music. And I killed. <laughs> and I was wow. thrilled with it. And I still have no intention of going back into stand-up <laughs> comedy. But, yeah. So, that's, you know, I, that it was She Don't Like Firefly that set the trajectory. Um, I realized that I could... You know, when I when I wrote that song, I had ideas for other songs. You know, I thought as soon as, as soon as I, you know, I wanted a geek act. I just didn't know. And for a long time, I struggled with the thought of kind of combining the geeky with the stand-up comedy and making that my stand-up comedy persona. And I just really, when I say I got tired of babysitting drunk people, I got tired of babysitting drunk people. Um, they're rude. They have, you know, I'd rather be in a room full of drunk geeks because they're drunk, but they're all on your side. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so we're all on the same team, you know? <laughs> For the most part. And so, yeah, that I mean, that that was the turning point. You know, I had ideas in my song. I wanted to do a song about the ninth level, uh, ninth level games, role playing game, Kobolds Ate My Baby. And that became the first song on the Impotent Nerd Rage album. I wanted to do a song called Impotent Nerd Rage. I wanted to do a song about a guy who wanted to be a stormtrooper, but was too fat to fit in the armor. Um, Might have been autobiographical, but I made it about Jack Porkins anyway. Um <laughs> You know, <laughs> and uh, I wrote all these. Yeah, so I, I wrote a bunch of songs and she don't like Firefly was the, the centerpiece of that album. I recently listened to Cobalt's Ate My Baby. And for those folks listening at home who aren't familiar with this particular game, this beer and pretzels rules game, my family loves Cobalt's Ate My Baby. My children said to me one time, hey, our characters never die in the campaign. And I go, we well, come, you come close to game to dying. You guys are just really, you know, good at the teamwork. They're like, no, 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 no. They're like, you're fudging dice or something. We want a game where our characters have a real chance of dying. And I said, you know what? I got you. I pulled out kobolds, ate my baby, <laughs> and I gave them stacks of kobolds. And uh, we went into the village to try and get that baby. And they were so happy by the end of it uh, that they had gone through so many kobolds. <laughs> and, uh, and that game is just hilarious. And when I listened to your song, I laughed the whole time. And I was like, yes, all hail King Torg. It was one of those things where you, I said, you know what, this is the game. This is the song to be playing uh, before and after the a game session of that. So uh, for those folks who haven't had the joy of Cobalt's Eight, My Baby, definitely check that out uh, from Ninth Level Games and uh, definitely listen to that song. I'm going to ask you kind of a kind of a heavy question, Mikey. Uh, has there been a song that you released you would hope that would be received more and it just it just didn't wow um yeah all of them <laughs> <laughs> um, these songs are so much better than no um <laughs> i mean yeah uh trying to think of of specific instances you know uh, most recently, probably on the Retro Sons album, there's a song called "Kind," that uh, you know it's I don't uh, I don't care who you are as long as you're kind. You're my kind of person. That's that you're the kind of person I need in my life. You know, whoever you are, as long as you're kind, you're you're my kind. <laughs> and and I didn't do a video for it. Here's the problem. 
Um, none of my songs went as far as I wanted, and it's because of me, and I understand that. We live in an age of video media and clicks and shares and TikTok and, you know, we started Twitter with 140 characters and sitcoms got reduced to 140 characters. You know, that was it. The new sitcom was 140 character post. Tweets became the new sitcom. And, and it, I, you know, I'm not going to complain about attention span. Things change. We go in cycles. That's fine. Technology changes. And if you don't adapt with it, <clears throat> then you're going to be like the dinosaurs. And unless you find a way not to go extinct, you're going to go extinct. Uh, and that will be true for your career or whatever for your legacy if if that's the case and i have chosen i've made the choice to concentrate on making music rather than publicizing the music that i make because i want to be a musician more than a publicist i don't want to be a booking agent i don't i hate being my own booking agent i hate being my own publicist and we all feel self-conscious about it and i made the decision that I'm going to make the music and I, you know, I, I went out and I started finding my tribe and I still every day tr start, uh, try and pull more people into my tribe. But what I'm not going to be is a marketer first. It's just not. Now it's inevitable. It's inescapable that to some extent you're going to have to market yourself as a product, right? And sometimes people, you know, what do you sell? I sell me. That's what I do. I sell me on Patreon. Go to patreon.com, by the way, if you're listening. And uh, for a dollar a month, for as little as a dollar a month, you get a new song every week, a song a week, 52 songs a year for $12 a month. You can't buy a CD. You can't buy, you cannot buy 52 songs for a dollar. You can't buy Spotify for a month for a dollar or for $12 a year. You know, you can't do it, but I'll, I'll give you 52 songs. And I average about 67 a year since September of 2019. Will you like them all? Probably not. Are they all awesome songs? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they may not be awesome for you, but they're great songs. They're not all funny. They're not all serious. They're not all anything. They're 52 different songs uh, in maybe 52 different genres and 52 different styles, 52 different subjects, whatever. But, but I've learned that you pull your tribe to you and you, when you, for, I don't know, since the pandemic started, since everything closed in early 2020, I made all of my music on Bandcamp pay what you want. All of it. 100% of it on Bandcamp is pay what you want. Um, so if you want any of my music on Bandcamp, it's pay what you want. Because if people want your music and they don't want to pay for it, they'll find a way. If people want your game and they don't want to pay for it, they'll find a torrent or they'll borrow, you know, not borrow, but they'll, you know, find, they'll borrow in the name of the Jolly Roger, a copy from somewhere. And that's just the way it works. So yeah. you find the people who are going to take care of you. Those are your tribe, right? And people who, you know, the good people, they're going to take care of you. So if you want to listen to my music and you can't afford it, you know, you can't afford however many dollars an album, but you want the whole collection. I say download it and listen to it. Share it with your friends. Let them hear it. You know, proselytize my music. And when you can afford it, kick me some money back, whatever it is. You know, I tell my patrons all the time on Patreon, you have to take care of yourself first. If you get in a point where you can't afford that dollar a month 
And there are times. Don't spend your money on me rather than medicine. Take care of yourself. Pay your rent, pay your bills, take care of yourself, your kids, your family, your pets. Make your life and then worry about taking care of me. You know, but your tribe rallies around you and they take care of you. And and I really uh, I really benefited from that tribal mentality. Um, and I like it so much more than being a marketer, so much more than being a marketer. Um, and it just turns out that my music has found good people and the good people have been bringing other good people to my music, people who care. And uh, I have a song called Celebrate. Um, and it's on one of my albums, and <laughs> I think it's on uh, M. I'm probably wrong about that, but it's celebrate the things you love before they go away. And that's true about everything in your life. It's true about the people in your life, the businesses you uh, appreciate. If you don't, if you don't uh, patronize those businesses, if you don't celebrate them, they go away. The music, the right. art, all of it, it goes away. Yep. So. That, that is fantastic. And you're absolutely right. I, I'd rather have 20 loyal fans than have a um, thousand likes on Twitter and nobody ever listened to my podcast. Um, yeah. And you're absolutely right about that. And so you can, but you can listen to your albums. Uh, I've, I've looked them up on Spotify, of course. Um, and then at MikeyMason.com. Yeah, yeah. You can go there. You can, uh, you can, uh, purchase the albums, that sort of thing. And you can also go ahead and subscribe to Patreon, which I love. Uh, all of those songs, uh, like you said, 52 minimum, 67 a year on average. Uh, it's incredible At, for a dollar. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how else better way to spend a dollar. <sighs> and uh, so Mikey, I got to ask you, I, I know you play guitar. What other instruments do you play? Uh, ukulele. Um, so guitar is my main instrument. So everything else I play is not as proficiently as guitar. Let's mm -hmm. just get that out of the way. Uh, and, I, and I don't even consider myself a guitarist. All right. I play, I, I'm a guitar player. I'm a rhythm guitarist. Um, I can play some lead, uh, and I do on several of my albums, but it's all multiple takes and many times pieced together in choppy edits that I have learned how to make pretty and you can't tell that being said uh ukulele which is basically a guitar capoed on the fifth play the you know high four strings um so i can play uke fairly proficiently uh mandolin uh some keyboard bass um i can keep a beat on drums uh, you know yeah whatever i'll try it i don't i have i have no qualms about doing it badly i have a, an accordion that i'm learning <laughs> slowly um, cause it's cool, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that's, that's the primary, you know, I'm not, there are, there are artists who pretty much play whatever you hand them. I'm not one of those, but I'm also not afraid to try. So, and that's, that's the biggest thing is if you're not afraid to make yourself look bad, uh, then you have a better chance of success than anybody else. That's phenomenal. And now you mentioned some of the instruments that you're working on right now, but is there one that you just haven't had a chance to pick up that you would love to try and learn to play? Violin. Fiddle. Really? Not, not really violin. Fiddle. I would like to play fiddle. Yeah. Fantastic. You've got Confessions of a Geek Bard coming out in January. Um, first off, I love the title. Tell us a little bit more about the book. What can we expect to see 
between the covers. Well, in uh, and I, I talk about this in the foreword of the book, but it was um, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Um, I went to Con Carolinas with my wife and I ran into my friend and publisher of uh, Falstaff Books, the founder and publisher of Falstaff Books, and also uh, Authors and Dragons podcaster and um, a fantastic author and poet in his own right, John Hartness. And every time, my degree is in creative writing. I graduated college with a degree wow. in creative writing. So um, it took me a while to get there, to, to start using it, uh, <laughs> to make a living. As I tend to do every time I'm around John, or attended at that point, I, I looked at him as I walked up and we, it was in the morning, it was early, early, late, late morning, early afternoon. He was coming out of a restaurant. I'm walking with my wife, Jody, and I said, hey, John, and I introduced them again. I always introduce them like they've never met, and they, they're both like, we, you've introduced us how many times now? <laughs> but but it, it's a cover thine own butt kind of situation. That's right. It's a good habit to have. Always introduce the wife to right. anybody it, you bump into. <laughs> right, because if you haven't, then you get the, why didn't you introduce me? Um, <laughs> I'd rather be, you introduced me a thousand times. That's because I love you, baby. I'm proud of you. I want to show you off. Um, That's right. <laughs> and uh, so I said, you know, you know, just casual conversation. You know, John, one of these years, I'm going to put that creative writing degree to use and actually write a book and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, actually, I was going to talk to you about that. I, I want you to write a book. <laughs> the publisher, John, came to me and said, I, I was going to talk to you about that this weekend. I, I want you to write a book. And I said, you're kidding, right? And he goes, no, I want you to write a book, and I want you to put uh, be a book of song lyrics and, and convention stories. Um, so you'll do, like, a song lyric and convention story. We're looking around, I don't know, 65,000 words? I'm like, um, uh, okay, sure, sure, we can talk about it. And he goes, okay, cool. And we shook hands, and we didn't talk about it much, <laughs> except that I would see him, I'm like, you know, I'm taking you as serious. He goes, I'm betting on it. Okay, so I got home from the convention and I wrote a sample chapter, which is called the Halfling Song. And uh, and if you want that, you're going to have to buy the book. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I sent it to him. And uh, I said, All right, so if you're serious, I just want you to know what you're getting into. So here's a sample chapter. What do you think? And he later that day emailed me back with, here's what I think, and attached was a contract. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is what I think. He sent me a contract. So I, you know, I got online, did some research. There's no advance, right? It's a small press, uh, but it's not a vanity press. I'm paying nothing. They're doing all of the the editing and formatting and paying for the art and the production and I get X amount per book which is on par or slightly above what the average first author gets on their first novel wow it's a really good deal it's very and and you know I, I, so I mean I, I did the research I signed the contract I sent it back and then I had until um, June of 2022 to submit the manuscript. So I submitted the manuscript in December of 2021. Um, but <laughs> I just 
clackle 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 tore through it. So what you can expect to find in that are song lyrics. There are, I think, 30 songs, you know, lyrics to 30 songs. And then uh, a chapter after that with a story that relates in some way, shape, or form to the song, True Stories from the Road, from my years as a stand-up comic and convention performer and gamer and husband and father and and all of this and cat owner and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All of the things and human, um, but true stories that I did my absolute best not to embellish in any way. I, I made them fun to read, but also completely honest and truthful. And so that's why it's Confessions of a Geek Bard, because it's, you know, it's kind of I, I, I don't know who really wants to read my autobiography, but John seems to and it's not really an autobiography because it's not linear in any way shape or form it's flashes of memories it's random confessions from a geek bard uh but uh, but john seems to think that there's an audience for it and he's putting his money where his mouth is and i respect that so we've been talking and Come January, there's probably going to be a companion album at the book launch where all of the songs where the lyrics are on the album are on that companion album. Fantastic. All the the lyrics from the book, you know, those songs are in a... So if you want to listen to it, that's the order in which the songs are on on the disc. You can listen to the disc, listen to the song, read the chapter, listen to the song, read the chapter, so on and so forth. That is a phenomenal. And I have to agree with John. There is a market for it because uh, I know I'm getting my copy in January. I'll be first in line. I'm super excited and I can't wait. And I, and, uh, and the fact that there's going to be an album with it is just, uh, just icing on the cake. Thank Thank you so much, Mikey. That's, that's phenomenal. I need to ask you about uh, in the verse podcast. Now we're going back to Firefly and Brown coating here. Tell us a little bit about that podcast. So season one of the Ends of the Verse podcast, I, it began with an idea that I, I talked to Mark Gunn, uh, who is another brown coat musician. He does sci-fi-ish music is what it is. It's sci-fi, Celtic, and Irish music. Wow. Uh, plays the auto harp. He's, he's absolutely fantastic, fun, uh, great performer. And we get along super well. And so I said, hey, Mark, um, we should do a podcast in which we... And and to be honest, I had to get him a little drunk to agree to this, but I got him to agree to it. And that's the important part. So I said, we should do a podcast in which we watch each episode of Firefly and discuss it from an artistic standpoint and then write a song inspired by something in the episode. And he said, after much plying with libation and peer pressure, okay. Yes. <laughs> so we did. We did, you know, a 14 episode season during which I wrote 15 songs because I wrote a song for the first episode, the pilot Serenity, which wasn't the first one shown. The first one shown was the train job, mm-hmm. but I wrote a song for the pilot episode Serenity, which was called one of us. And then at the end of that episode, you see uh river in the box, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, river Tam is in that box. And so between between episode one and two, I wrote a song called Girl in the Box. And then episode two came out, The Train Job, and I wrote this song called Shades of Grey. And it turns out that in, in Mark is writing all these fantastic songs, and we're very different songwriters, okay? We're very, he writes Celtic and Irish music, and I write geek rock, 
right? So I put all 15 songs of mine, as soon as that, when it was done, I, I, I mixed them down, um, polished the recordings and put out an album called Shades of Grey. So there's an album out there that's set in the verse um, and it's serious songs about the about the TV show Firefly, inspired by Firefly, um, that sounds like it's the love child of Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, and Hank Williams Sr. <laughs> I, I love everything you just said. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we we did that, and then we took some time off and Mark said, we should do another season. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't. It's not like there's another season of Firefly. So we decided to do a 10 episode season where we took other media. And so we're taking, we've done two episodes of Doctor Who. We're about to do our third episode of Doctor Who. Um, cause we did blink. We did day of the doctor. Um, and then we're about to do the doctor's wife. Wow. Um, but we did Blink and Day of the Doctor, and then we did uh, Rankin and Bass's The Hobbit, 1977. And my favorite. We did, um, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Yes. The episode was The Dragon's Graveyard. Oh. And so Mark wrote this beautiful, wistful song about, you know, Bobby and wanting to go home. And I wrote a song from Venger's point of view. Yes. Uh, because, uh, and if you haven't watched the 1983 series Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, first off, be warned, it's bad. And second, it's, it's <laughs> so much better in your nostalgia goggles. But, but at the end of the episode, The Dragon's Graveyard, it's revealed that Dungeon Master is Venger's father. Bum, 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 bum. bum. <laughs> So I wrote a song called Birthright, which is about why Venger is going after these kids, because his own dad has rejected him. His dad, who taught him everything he knows and pretty much cast him to be a villain in a story, you know, then went and took other kids from another realm and gave them your weapons that you see as your birthright in order that they scrabble for your praise. And it's so dark. Wow. And, so, and oh, and I kind of hate Dungeon Master after writing it because he's like a, the ultimate deadbeat dad. I mean, like, you know, I'm your dad and all, and I love you, and I gave you all this stuff, but I also set you up to fail, and I'm really kind of being their foster dad now, and uh, I love them more. Okay, bye. And... <laughs> And he and disappears could, like he does. <laughs> and I could send them home, but I'm not. Here, fight them some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Dungeon Master is the dad who he doesn't go out for milk. He waits for you to ask an important question. Then he walks out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then he doesn't, he doesn't say I'm going out for milk. He just says I'm going away. <laughs> And it's I, your fault. <laughs> not not only do I love the D&D cartoon from my own memories of Saturday mornings, but uh, we got the whole series on DVD and played it 
episodes for the kids as they were growing up, uh, usually around geek holidays that we celebrate. Mikey, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Uh, so excited about all the music, the albums, the book coming out. I can't wait to tune in to In The Verse podcast and hear all those great songs you guys wrote. It is so, so great, all the content that you're creating and what great advice you've been giving us uh, about really unplugging, backing up, getting your tribe together and don't focus so much on the marketing and tweeting every hour and all those things because that stuff will just drive you crazy. It might make you more successful, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mikey, I can't tell you enough uh, what a big fan I am, uh, what an honor it is to have you on the show and how excited I was to talk to you today. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Raised on D&D Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow on all your favorite apps and social media. 